You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air, and I appear with always typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 1984 undisputed classic, A Nightmare on Elm Street. And it is an undisputed classic. I mean, it's it spawned so many sequels. It spawned hits and misses. It spawned toys, a franchise, bullshit. I'm surprised you don't have a Nightmare on Elm Street shirt. I'm surprised as you are. I won't, On the way to the podcast, I was thinking to myself, better slap on one of my trusty Nightmare on Elm Street t-shirts. I do not have one, but I promise you listeners, I will rectify that. But it, this isn't just any episode, Lydia. God damn it, you're right. The leaves are turning orange. You got pumpkins everywhere. Little kids getting all excited for their... Candy. I don't know what kids get excited for anymore. Oh, that means it's Halloween. And that means that this is a Halloween special. And that means that it's a commentary track. And that means that there's going to be two of them. So we're so we're sitting down for the long haul. We're recording back-to-back Nightmare on Elm Street 1 and Nightmare on Elm Street 3. And I'm actually excited because I've wanted to sit down and watch Nightmare on Elm Street for a, a little while now. About two mm-hmm. weeks. I've really, really been looking forward to sitting down and watching these. And looking forward to hitting record, like, as we have, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. I came into the franchise quite late. Well, the, you weren't born. You were, like, a baby. I, I was, uh, so the, the Freddy Mania, which I believe I would have been wholeheartedly a part of, I would have been that kid in the Freddy Krueger pajamas and have my talking Freddy Krueger doll. Oh, yeah. And all that kind of stuff. Asking mom, can I please call Freddy? Yeah, I, <laughs> I asked if I could call Freddy. I mean, just in case, he's got something cool to say. But I came into the franchise with Wes Craven's new nightmare. What a horrible way to enter the franchise. Not because I have a problem with that movie. I've grown to appreciate it. Are you going to say Freddy's, uh, Freddy versus Jason? Uh, no. Okay, good. Go on. But Wes Craven's uh, new nightmare. Oh, Okay. Yeah, that is not the best entry point. It was the worst. What a horrible way to enter the franchise. There's so many... I didn't know who Wes Craven was. I didn't know what he looked like. I didn't know who Robert England was. I didn't know who Heather Langenkamp was. I didn't... I knew what Freddy Krueger was. No kid didn't know what Freddy Krueger was that was at least in North America, like let alone people all over the world. But I just, I had never seen a, a, a film like that. I don't know if it was a combination of my parents not letting me. And, but I would walk into a video store and you want to talk about film franchises that will grab your attention. You're in the horror movie section of your favorite video store. Mine was video biz. You would see this wall, this wall of all one guy. Yeah. All one guy in various poses. Sometimes he's smiling at you and sneering at you. Other times he's got a 
baby carriage and he's whispering at you and and you flip the things over and there's all these super weird kind of freaky looking scenes on the back and you're super into it especially the backs of three and four i mean and and to be entering in as you did that would have been like an insane roller coaster ride looking at the back and trying to decipher what this guy is and what it is that he does everything freddie does everything that's what Mm -hmm. he does uh but looking at the cover of this one in particular, Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, mm-hmm. it, it probably would have been even more enticing because of the glove. The glove. The glove was so iconic. And you, I, I knew the basics. I knew that Freddy could come into your dreams and kill you. But I didn't know anything else about the franchise. And so you watch Wes Craven's new Nightmare and... It's super self-aware. Freddy Krueger is a, and Nightmare on Elm Street is a film franchise and is this hyper concept of people's collective consciousness around a fictional character making that character real. Like, I, like Heather Langenkamp was the character, was playing herself who played Nancy, who is, and her son is getting possessed by Freddy. It's fucking weird. It's a super weird It's movie. fucking weird with no context, yeah. Oh, my like, God. And I was lost. I was completely lost. But you know what? I fucking liked it anyway because Freddy looked like a badass. Yeah. And I, then a bunch of, like, half-answered questions, too. Oh, yeah. Like, and where did he come from? Why does he have the gloves? That started me down the rabbit hole. All right. I want to watch these movies. I don't want to be in the dark like this anymore. I felt like a nerd. I didn't know anything about fucking <laughs> this film franchise. So I got in on that level. Thankfully, I had access to the films thanks to a combination of rental and stuff coming on television. Yeah. And I, and I think it was just this wonderful conflation of circumstances where I'd seen that film. And then I wanted to get into watching the other ones but here's the thing i watched them completely out of order i was just gonna ask if you watch them in order because it is so fun to watch them in order yes it is but you you can get away with not watching them in order yeah for sure but again the next one that i saw was freddy's dead oh one of the most buck wild entries into the franchise and another one that requires you to kind of know yeah what's going on more an- unanswered questions and more of the jester freddy as jester yeah. freddy as beetlejuice where i just can't not draw parallels between the two characters oh, he's fucking daffy duck in yeah. these in, <laughs> in that film so again going uh, i i eventually Cut it down to, all right, let's get the first one. And oh, I, okay. I was, was going to say, maybe you watch the second one next, which would be hilarious. To no, me. no. I watched. I That's when I got down on the ground floor. And I let's, have to watch them in order. And, and I could not believe the different tone of the first one compared to all the other ones. Mm. Listen, I love jokester freddy He's like me, a, a guy with a sick sense of humor, with a big fucking mouth, and... Seemed almost the was undoubtedly the star of this franchise, but in the first film, he's a lot scarier and a lot darker. Yeah, and I'm still taken aback when I watch the first one at how scary and dark it is and how Mm -hmm. unfun it is. There's not a fucking lick of fun in this. No, No, not really. I guess, but like. That's the same feeling I get when I watch Child's Play. Mm -hmm. It's a lot darker. Watch the first Evil Dead. 
Yeah. It's not, there's nothing fun. No fucking, no decapitated deer talk to you from the wall at all. No. In the first no. So it's like no fun. It's all horror. It's very scary. It's terrifying. And it is an exercise in terror. Mm-hmm. Um, so is this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that is where I really sat back and said, okay, I get it. And for the longest time, in, in that immortal question of who's your favorite slasher, for the longest time, it was Freddy Krueger. And I think it was, and my, my, the big difference between this character and all of our other favorite slashers, I don't like to, I don't want to denigrate something to elevate something else. All of our other favorite slashers that we love, that I love, Freddy Krueger is such a different beast, such a different thing than how many people have played Jason Voorhees? How many people have played Michael Myers? Too many. Too many, right? There's people have their favorites. And rightfully so, but one person, discounting the, the the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, one person played Freddy Krueger, and that is incredible to me. And without Robert England, you really don't have a franchise, and you don't have the character who brought all of this stage acting, a real thespian, brought all of this physicality on top of the dialogue, whereas instead of just putting a, a, a stuntman in there, and again, not to take away from that, that is sometimes fantastic stuff. Kane Hodder's a stuntman, and it looks fantastic when he's Jason Voorhees. Yeah. But Robert England just transcends the idea of slasher to the point where I have a hard time reconciling when you're just like, oh, he's a slasher. I'm like, he is. This is undoubtedly a, a slasher movie. But he's just so different. He occupies the same space as Pinhead to me. He really does. And Pinhead, like, is another one where you you don't really have a lot of feeling for them as a human being. Like, I have a lot of feeling for Amanda Kruger. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of feeling for Amanda mm-hmm, Kruger. Mm-hmm, Amanda mm-hmm. Kruger ha- haunts my nightmares. Uh, it's a terrifying fucking backstory. Let's it's also a say very that. terrifying backstory. But it has nothing. It's not Freddy's fault. And it's not Freddy. Like, it's not anything to do with him intrinsically as a human so you don't really feel from the way that i feel for jason everyone feels for jason everyone i feel deeply for michael myers i know you do i do and and i see but i see that but but but, yeah freddie doesn't his mother is a tragic figure for sure freddie is just evil so despicable and despicable in life despicable in death and despicable in your nightmares yeah and it's not the sort of person that you're going to have as your tragic hero or your anti-hero or your lovable villain at all. At mm-hmm. all. Yet, he's a jokester. I guess that's what, like, the class clown? I guess people are transferring ideas that they have to other people that they know and other comics that they know and other stories we hear of, of comics and tragedy and, and transferring that there must be some nut of goodness in this person. I don't know. I have no idea. It's hard for me to really reconcile um, caring for Freddy with Mm. liking Freddy, which is what most people boil down liking a character to, is that they care about them, right? Um, You can't care about Freddy. You can't. No. No, you can't. You can love that character. But how did you get How did you get introduced to Mr. Fred Krueger? That's what I want to know. Because you're a little, you got a couple years on me, so you would have been around for... Freddy Mania. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I definitely was. This was um, me and my mother sitting around uh, visiting family in Mississauga in the summer. And everyone else had gone out somewhere else. And for some reason, I guess, I don't know what reason, we had decided to stay back in the apartment. So it was just me and my mom. And she was like, well, let's 
you want to rent a movie? And I was like, yeah, sure. She's like, good. There's this uh, new Wes Craven movie out. I really want to see. So let's go stroll down to Square One in Mississauga and see if there's a video rental store. Because we didn't know our way around. We just knew where Square One was. And found a rental store. Couldn't tell you what it was. Spent our obligatory half an hour strolling around in there. Even though my mom walked straight in, picked up my Elm Street, and then we strolled around looking at other covers. Couldn't decide anything else to rent. Went back and watched this. Mid-afternoon in a darkened apartment because we closed all the blinds and stuff and watched this scary movie. And we were probably about 20 minutes in when my mom apologized because it might be too scary for me. And it could, I, I can think of it now how the wheels must have been turning in her and she's like, oh my God, what have I done? Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot who Wes Craven was. He's Mr. Last House on the left. He is The Hills Have Eyes. Movies my mother loved. Movie, movies my mother had watched that I'd never seen. I was too young to watch those Absolutely, things. you were too young to watch. And here she was sitting me down with this. And I was okay. You know, I, I, I weathered it all right. It wasn't too scary for me. Um, it was scary. Yes. Uh, I didn't, I wouldn't say I had nightmares, but he definitely did haunt me and definitely did make an impression as the first very scary, scary movie. Cause I had watched like the entity. I had watched the exorcist by that mm-hmm. point and we'd watched like yeah. some Friday 13th. So you've seen stuff. some pretty serious stuff already. I had seen some pretty serious stuff, but nothing quite as terrifying as Freddy. Mm-hmm. And Freddy's designed to speak directly to kids. Mm-hmm. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of like a laser beam on me for this one. It's not like The Hills High Eyes has a, has a very mature premise to it. Yeah. Um, definitely Last House on the Left has a very mature premise to it. Mm-hmm. Um, slasher movies that I'd been watching at that point weren't very mature and they were like pointed at teens. Well, this is pointed at teens too, but... As a kid, you know, nightmares are the worst thing that has ever really happened to you mm-hmm. at that point, right? So it yeah, was absolutely. very scary. The pedophilic overtones mm-hmm. weren't lost on me mm-hmm. at all. So that made it even more terrifying. My father was a burn victim. So having this burn victim on screen that my dad's healed up quite a lot through the years. But at the time, he was still pretty raw in the neck because mm-hmm. he had a burn that yeah, the extended The motorcycle accident, the... yeah? No, it was a different one. Um, oh, jeez. The motorcycle accident ravaged his back. This was a hot tar, roofing tar accident. Holy lifting. From the bottom of his chin to the middle of his chest was basically Freddy Krueger flesh. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, so it did It did strike a chord with me very, very much. Not that it made me afraid of my father in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... I was very, I knew what a burn victim went through. I knew what sort of pain that skin grafting entailed. Mm -hmm. So to have this person on screen all slick too, because he's uh, more wet in in the earlier versions of Freddy, I find. Mm -hmm. And more burn victim looking. Yeah. Instead of pizza looking. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, almost takes on a, a far more just abstract demonic quality where when I look at some of the later films, I wouldn't even necessarily say, oh, yeah, he looks like he has been burned. I would often interpret it as, oh, it's kind of hard to say what it is. He looks flayed. Just like the twisted flesh demonic looking. It doesn't look specifically like a burn victim. Mm -hmm. And it's not that the special effects are any better or worse. It's just Mm -hmm. they had a different motivation to really get across what he was. Mm -hmm. And the story of his origin was a a lot more um, 
burned into the script, I suppose, mm-hmm. to not try and be punny, but like <laughs> it was in the forefront of one and three, more yeah. so than the other ones, because mm-hmm. we're, already, we're already supposed to know that going in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So this is going to be a fucking good time. I am damn excited, but it is a commentary track. So just to let you guys know, we are going to count down from three. We are currently watching my Nightmare on Elm Street box set. And we got the red line across the screen right now that says it's just about to pop up and say New Line Cinema. And then we're going to be off and running. And three, two, one. Yeah, so it's a red line of New Line. Which is probably my first introduction to any New Line cinema, and it became something that I appreciated. Every time I'd see a film that started out with New Line, mm-hmm. I'd get excited. Yeah, New Line cinema really was the house that Freddie built. Anyone out there that's really excited for their, you know, Lord of the Rings movies years later, is like, I don't go in for that horror stuff. It's like, well, where do you think that they got all that fat Lord of the Rings money for. Yeah, because they weren't really doing much before that. They were just a distribution company. Yeah. No actual films, but this is their first foray into it. I always, much like when we were watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I constantly forget the beginning of this movie where he is building the glove. Oh, really? I, I love, love, love watching this. And I loved watching it when it first, the first time I watched it. Um, and I wanted to see more of that again. Mm-hmm. I think there was almost like a break in films where so many horror films would start out with like the pen of the street and mm-hmm. to, to put you into suburbia and, and convince you that, you know, this is just like anywhere where this movie on the Elm Street, you know, every town has an Elm Street. It doesn't start out like that at all. It doesn't start out with like, this is just idyllic, normal suburbia, normal, normal. Everyone can relate to this, right? It starts out on a totally different tack. Yeah. Well, we're interested. We're introducing Johnny Depp. Jeez. Who could have guessed? No, but now we have Tina running through the hallway and instantaneously, we're not sure where we are. We don't really know who this is. We don't know what she's running from. And it's disorienting much like how a dream starts. And particularly if you had only a vague concept now, when we were a little bit spoiled in how we understand what exactly this film is but you know well there was movie trailers of course there was movie trailers but unless you went to a theater you weren't going to see a movie trailer or unless you caught it on television which you know not everyone was glued to their screens all the time so you could even walked into this it's conceivable to like not really know what's going on and so you know when you see a woman running down a hallway and all of a sudden there's a sheep and then there's this weird close-up of this guy, you think to yourself, okay, what's going on here? I love this boiler room. It reminds me of that Simpsons um, episode of the Anvil, that uh, nightclub, but yeah. Oh. (laughs) I'm I'm sure my mother, like, back in the old school way of knowing what you could know about film by watching film discussion shows like Siskel and Ebert at the movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. by reading in more traditional newspapers, didn't just cover, like, star gossip bullshit. They actually covered, like, what the producers and directors were doing Mm -hmm. as newsworthy things. And coming off what success that Wes Craven had been coming off of at this time. And Robert Englund starring in the very successful series V. V, yeah. They probably were running TV spots during V. 
Oh yeah, that they makes a lot of sense. Probably were. So my mom was probably really, you know, as as in the loop as one could be without mm-hmm. the internet, right? Mm-hmm. And I really, I really love that how people could be as in the know as we are today, just naturally, organically, by paying attention to shit around them instead of having Wikipedia tell you everything. <laughs> Well, I mean, Wikipedia has its uses up from the dream. Terrifying. Nightgown being sliced. Yeah. One of the things that I will say that I like a lot about Wes Craven's writing is he really has no affinity for parents or authority figures or anything like that. This film is so much about how awful everyone is the, uh, the, the, the tina's mom coming in here with this fucking greasy guy just like hey baby if you were that guy would you really be that much of a horn dog where you're just thinking to yourself oh yeah i'm gonna get laid i understand that she's talking to her teenage daughter right now who just had a nightmare but i want to get my dick wet Who's like that? Oh, I'd have to say that he's zero in that median curve because there's people that are way more respectful and there's people that are ten times more respectful that might have bent her mother over and had his way with her right there in front of her in the teenager's bedroom. So, you know what? (laughs) I'm fine with his performance. Nah, he's gross. There's ten times worse people out there. No, he's gross. We have an introduction to all of our principal characters. Well, we've already met Tina. Now we're in a John Hughes movie. We are kind of in a John Hughes movie. It very much does hit all of John Hughes notes right here. Mm-hmm. He's got a little letter jacket. He's got, like, the headphones around the neck. They're going to school. You got fucking Rod doing his best John Travolta impression. Just sitting there petting her hair. Johnny Depp has... Um, hardly aged in a lot of ways but in other ways he's aged like it in a weird direction because he looks like some washed out rock star these days but um back here being all preppy and meek interesting choice yeah pre-21 jump street even like um i've just watched him in black mass and i really love him as a character actor yeah i, I really do i never really got caught up in the heartthrob craze of the, the, no 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 heartthrob johnny depp for you no no like because he never really struck me as necessarily attractive where a lot of people are just swoon over him even as captain jack sparrow people swoon over him as if he were like cheesecake but like that i was sort of immune to that i suppose mm-hmm. but i really loved him in this of course oh yeah for sure this is the most 80s Thing that I can think of when I think about teens hanging out, it's always just this exact scene. You got a boombox, you got popcorn, you got a big old truck going by, you got, um, you know, old rotary phone. It's just great. That was exactly my life at that point. Was it really? Yeah. <laughs> Granted, I was younger, but I probably had a blue and pink striped fucking button-up shirt from Benetton. (laughs) And I had a boom box just like that. We called them ghetto blasters, though. Ghetto blasters. Yeah, no, I've heard that term before. Yeah, I had a ghetto blaster just like that. Mm -hmm. This is him trying to fool his mom with this this boom box. Been there, done that. Really? Yep. Do you pull pranks like that? That's pretty cool. On my mom, yeah. Oh, really? I was always pretty forthcoming with where I was going... Uh, with my parents, pretty forthcoming, I guess. But 
Yeah, Nancy will will notice like Heather Langenkamp's character basically has a an interesting palette in this and Dream Warriors, as far as I'm concerned. As far as her clothing choices. Yeah, as as, as far as her cho- uh, clothing choices, yeah, for sure. I I wonder if it was wardrobe or straight out of her closet. Oh, it's probably wardrobe. Then again, they didn't really have that much money to make this and even it like you know 1.8 million or 2 million or something like that to make this film not including advertising uh back in the day that's pretty inexpensive considering the price of film stock and everything like that another super iconic scene this movie is full of iconic scenes but like nancy doing that sound about the scraping claws there's so many things that jump out to me every time that i uh watch this movie or people start talking about this movie. I think that, um, I think that this really also, as much as Friday the 13th and, um, Halloween introduced so many horror tropes, this one really cements them. And I think because of the fact that like the thing that really sticks out in people's mind is scream when they're talking about horror tropes. Cause that was the movie that like cleverly, Busted them wide open. Busted them wide open. And I'm using air quotes for that. But since this was also written by Wes Craven, he's just like, what did I do in my movie? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You want to have like that sense of false security. Just busted wide open. I like this idea. Like, here's Johnny Depp here to fuck you up. Right. The scrawny little fella. Well, he's not really scrawny. I mean... He's not scrawny. He's just not, like, super buff. He's not stereotypical, like, traditionally. He's not wearing, like, a big old fucking Letterman jacket. He is tackled by the guy you would expect to go investigating weird noises. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's funny because uh, one of the things that I'll say is that Johnny Depp here playing his least character actory role because he's kind of just this... Again, this is his... uh, this is his first movie role, but he's playing this shy, unassuming, you know, guy. Whereas Rod is like a cartoon character, just like the leather jacket and the switchblade and everything like that. Which is still coming off of the the 50s and 60s and 70s. Still cool. You know, yeah. this was still cool then. He was still the cool guy. He was yeah. like the Fonz. <laughs> Everyone loved Henry Winkler. Yep. Even parents, because even though he had this facade of bad guy, he knew he was he's basically still pretty good and safe, right? So he's got that going on. Yeah. But it's a really good, um, you know, reflection of what has been going on in her nightmares. Him joking around with the gardening tools, him joking around grabbing her and pulling her away. Like, it's, it creates a really good setup for us. Yeah. To worry about villainizing him further. Yeah, it's true. And also, it makes sense that other people, like, narratively speaking, that people would think that Rod was a guilty man. Yeah. Because, I mean, police come near your house because there's been a murder and someone has been stabbed a bunch of times. And this guy literally, 20 minutes earlier, jokingly pulled his switchblade out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying... It's buck wild. And again, this just comes from me. Like, I was a fairly mild-mannered kid, and I had like a, a lot of mild-mannered friends. And so I didn't have the jokey, rambunctious, roughhousing friends. So anytime I ever saw this in movies, 
what, especially when I was young and wanting to be a teenager, morality sucks. Oh, poor Johnny. Getting emo. Getting emo because he's not having sex. This guy just seems to be like a, like a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am guy. He just like rolls over. He's like, I'm done now. But the God-fearing Christian girl seems to find his heart of gold pretty easily. Oh, he's sensitive. Yeah. You know, he's like, listen, I may be a no good neck, you know, but uh, you, you know, you're all right. You know, it is funny is um, he is a nice guy. This is the building of the plot of this film where we've realized that three of our characters now have shared a nightmare. He's pretty dismissive about the whole thing. It's Tina and Nancy that realize that there's something similar about their dreams. No, and it's definitely, whether he's putting on his tough guy uh, facade or not, it definitely did speak to him to the point that he that's what he mimicked to scare other people. It scared mm -hmm. him, works on him, so what he's going to do is grab a gardening tool and screech it against things because mm -hmm. that was fucking scary to him, so it's going to damn well scare them. Though They haven't had that conversation yet that mm -hmm. they're all having these dreams. No, and even if he didn't directly... Channel think, that. Like, channel yeah. that. It would have been in the back of his mind, right? Because he's been having these reoccurring nightmares. Why is it you think that Freddy doesn't just insta-kill people? Is it is he playing with them to give them multiple bad dreams? Or is he growing? Is he trying to grow in power so you are thinking about him so then he can physically hurt you? What do you think? Maybe he's not strong enough to kill you until you get completely scared, so it takes you takes him that long. I don't mm -hmm. know. I don't really know. That was what that was my assumption always was because sometimes certain characters would instantly die, like they would have one nightmare and Freddy would just kill them, and then other times characters would have multiple nightmares and they would get away from Freddy or he would just kind of chase them. So I think that it's that it's almost. Uh, I wouldn't say it's so much that it makes you taste sweeter. It's not a Pennywise thing. I think it's more just, yeah, it's power. Yeah, it ha you have to be that really honestly scared of him. And if you've had nightmares all your life, like I'm sure that this this girl who's the daughter of a, of a drunk, caring, like drunk and uncaring Christian fundamentalist or whatever the fuck mm -hmm. she's supposed to be has had nightmares through her life. So she's probably a little more well-armed. Mm -hmm. You know, going into Freddy's nightmare, as it were. This scene is so fucking creepy. Yeah. I fucking love this so much. This Freddy... Hints of, like, repulsion, hints of the entity. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just coming through the wall there. And, and such a wonderful break of reality, right? You're thinking how this is a solid wall... How does he do that? And But we've established already from the dream sequence and also moments like this. Where she's that, testing the wall. Where she's testing the wall because she has this sense. And that, you know, Freddy can break the rules of reality. And in the dreamland, I mean, there's no rules whatsoever. Kind of makes them. He kind of makes them, but they're always somehow hinged to the person who's doing the dreaming, right? Yeah, true. Things get more fancy-free, I think, as the franchise progressed. But he also uses the things that... One of the things that I like about all the characters that are in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, it's like 
this guy's deaf, this guy likes video games, this guy's that. And so they have a very specific character trait and he'll use that either something that they're scared of. Oh, this woman is scared of bugs. So I'm going to do a bug based fear thing on her or this person likes video games. So I'm going to twist it. I'm going to twist that and make it specifically scared of them. Something that they love. I'm going to turn it around and do something creepy with it. The initial dreams here, it kind of seemed to be just a motif of classic dreams that people might have. This arm stretching scene. I even disliked this. When I first saw it, I think that helped take me out of the actual fear of this scene. Mm -hmm. And then the horrible noises brought me right back. Oh, yeah. And his face and everything, you know. But the the stretchy arms never did it for me. And a (laughs) lot of people really remembered that and really hinged onto that. If there was anything forgettable to me, about Freddy as a as a terrifying character, it's a stupid arm stretching. Uh, I think that what's funnier is the way that he chases her right after the stretchy arm scene, where he just sort of like waving his arms around and shit like that. I like this scene. He's always just fucking with people. Yeah, see what I can do. Yeah, and I like how he he cuts off his finger and he looks at the finger, looks at her. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Pretty fucking gross, right? <laughs> He's not quite hitting Beetlejuice levels, but it's very much the same sort of uh, theatricality that he's mm-hmm. bringing to himself as a villain. Yeah. Ah, you pulled my face off. Yeah. Like, and the glee in all of it. Mm-hmm. Maniacal glee is an embodiment of maniacal glee. Yeah, absolutely. This whole sequence where, where you realize the power of what this guy can do cutting her, raising her up in the air. And it's hard to say that this is happening in her dream. And so like the, the level of physicality that Freddie can affect the world, like the living world around, right? Like he's lifting you up and doing shit to you in your dream. And so you can basically see he's practically invisible in this. Yeah. And as much as I like Freddie, I do like invisible Freddie. Invisible Freddy is cool because you get this wonderful effect of, you know, classic rotating room and she's crawling along the ceiling and then boom, drops onto the bed and she done. And this is also a pretty good indicate. Like, like I, I really like this story element of she was in a room with Rod. They heard her. Now here's their friend brutally, brutally murdered, and Rod is nowhere to be seen. Jumped out the window. There's only one conclusion that anyone would draw. Exactly. Not including, like, you know, they have been having these dreams of a guy with knife fingers, and to look at the specific cuts that were made to her, not that they're going to start doing a little bit of CSI right there with their bloody Mm. friend. They're probably traumatized, but you would have that inkling of maybe it wasn't him, that inkling. But, especially knowing him and knowing that he's not a horrible person, but anyone else looking at it from the outside? Suspect number one. Absolutely. Introduce John Saxon. Everybody always associates him the most with, uh, well, he's got a huge career. To me, every time I see him, he is the guy from Enter the Dragon. 
<laughs> like that was the first role I had ever seen him with. I was a big Bruce Lee fan as a little kid, and I watched Enter the Dragon constantly. So every time I I see him, I'm, I always think, oh, billionaire playboy philanth- philanthropist that is really good at martial arts. That's down on his luck with money, gambling problem. It's that guy. And then it's like, no, he's also Black Christmas, and he's like the 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 dad cop. Yeah, yeah. You know? He makes a great dad cop. Yeah, right. Quite obviously. Mm-hmm. Heather Langenkamp is the only person with decent hair in this uh, whole film, it seems. I think that what I like about her is that it, it is sufficiently haggard, you know? Like, if this was a modern movie, she'd be sitting in that room just like the perfectly coiffed do. It would have been totally put together and whatever. But this is like, well... It was the 80s, so she has probably has, like, big hair anyway. But also, it's the middle of the night. She was asleep, and she woke up at the start. She probably got dressed in a daze, and her hair's not brushed. I like it. It's just like, this is, she's, and, you know, and it's Heather Langenkamp, so she still looks absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next day, back to normal. Yeah, we're all done here. Again, but this is a town that we know quite well is perfectly comfortable just putting burying things putting things under the carpet so to speak right yeah it's it's worse than stepford yeah they have a lot of um experience brushing things under the under the carpet but like we don't know that yet no we <laughs> so don't so it does strike one as surreal that okay we're just back to normal go to school everything's fine yeah well i mean her, her mom is also sitting there pouring vodka into a coffee mug as her daughter's going off to school. So, you know, and this is our second impression ever. The first impression is the classic, we don't believe you mm-hmm. because you don't take things seriously because she's not 100% convinced right now. She, all the evidence is supporting Rod, but there's something. There's something. She was scared to be there, right? Yeah. She also keeps saying, like, he's not like that. He wouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. And, the, and there was a reason. It wasn't just teens hanging out, which was the the reason for everyone to get together at Tina's house, right? It was like Tina didn't want anyone to leave her. And didn't want to sleep, really, alone. Yeah. There's Rod. And again, no shoes, just a... Leather jacket and tight jeans. Still got blood on him. He's been hiding in the bushes all damn night. What do you expect? Yeah, I think about this a lot in in terms of if you were just trying to hide. Like, where where would he hide? I guess, would it just be just in the bushes? He's like, I'm just hanging out here. Hiding someone's shed? Suburbia? Mm-hmm. This is him trying to get away. Pretty pretty ballsy of Nancy to just jump in front of her father aiming a gun, but also she probably would assume that he wouldn't have shot her. I don't think in this point in his, in his career he's a drunk yet, though. So, I mean, I, I'm sure she knows he has wits about him and probably wouldn't shoot his daughter. No, no, not this time. Just go to school. Everything's normal. <laughs> Yeah. Well, 
his his sense his uh, opinion is like why would you go to school enter lynn shay who without this film probably wouldn't be the lynn shay that she is today oh yeah i mean it's funny who becomes a person that is a staple of in horror films yeah. right it, it, it's just and this one scene where she's a teacher in a classroom, it's pretty minor. Which is really like, and, and I'm sure at the end of the day, it's like doing a favor. Yeah. D- just doing a favor, do, taking a bit part. Yeah. This guy is fucking loudest shirt in the world. Good lord. Probably Ocean Pacific. I'm just guessing the brand names of things. <laughs> Ocean Pacific. Uh-huh. It's probably Ocean Pacific. Reading Shakespeare like a boss, though. Did they make you stand up and read Shakespeare like that in class? We could sit at our desks. We had to read it aloud, but we had to sit at our desks. We did that. We did some recital, too. Not as much as my grandmother would have liked. Mm-hmm. These were the scenes where my mother was like, is this okay to watch? Are you okay to watch this? Are you sure? Are you Te- sure you're okay to yeah. watch this? Tina in the bloody body bag and yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and it is weird because a lot of things are, are, are breaking a lot of the rules of what we, we would associate with horror. This is happening, to, uh, as we know, in broad daylight. This is happening in a classroom full of her friends. Yeah. This is happening in her school in which she's familiar with. It's not nighttime. They're not at a camp. They're not, you know, I understand Halloween takes place in... in uh, uh, the neighborhood, but it's nighttime and it's all spooky and stuff like that. This is just happening very brightly lit. And I don't know if that contributes to taking thing like taking the fear out of it for me, because I never, I a hundred percent agree that this is the most frightening entry of the franchise. But I, even when I was younger, I wasn't necessarily scared of it, but maybe I just thought cause Freddie was so cool. So I, so the evil force of Freddie Krueger wasn't terrifying me so much. No running in the hallway. I love this scene. People would imitate that in school. Oh, would they? Oh, I bet. And think it's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if it's just the school I went to. I I don't know if we were all just like a lot more horror movie fans that Mm -hmm. went to my middle school. But people would imitate uh, Freddy and Jason at every chance they could. Man, I wish I was a kid in the 80s. Not just alive in the 80s, but I mean, I wish I was a teen in the 80s. So I could be involved in the pop culture in that capacity, as opposed to hearing about things later. Because what did I have when I was in fucking high school? Ben Saw? 10? Ben, well, we did have Ben 10 as well. <laughs> Saw, Saw and Scream and, and stuff like that. But nobody quoted... It wasn't really quotable, those those movies, right? Except for I'll play a game, want to yeah. play a game. But, like, not this, man. God, this is creepy. And th- I-, I will say that, like, um, every high school, it's not so obviously not her high school just yet, even though she is unfamiliar. So many high schools had, like, creepy back rooms and shop classes. and They did. And I don't know if they still do because I haven't been into a high school institution in a very long time because they are just really a pit of despair. But our high school was built in... Oh, I'd have to say 1971. 
So it was like the new high school. The high school that my mother had transferred from before going to the high school that I attended when it opened was this old um, Catholic high school that was much like this. It was built in like probably 1920, Mm -hmm. if not earlier. And it had like old, old boiler rooms and a lot of things like this, like really old and half unused infrastructure under the building the newer high school I had, the boiler room was a little more shiny and clean, but still creepy because it was like abandoned and you would almost expect to find someone living in there on a soiled mattress. Mm-hmm. Oh, that horrible sound. That horrible sound. Oh, yeah. Apparently, uh, Robert England used to do that genuinely, like genuinely fuck with people and like scratches pi- nails on the pipes and stuff like that just to get under people's skin. There are some people that that sound does not give them a heebie-jeebies and he must be one of those people. Uh, it doesn't bother me, that sound. Really? It yeah, drives it, me up the motherfucking wall. A fork on a plate, like, halfway across a restaurant of somebody else will freak me out. Mm-hmm. And I think this also taps in freaking out in the classroom during a dream. Not that I fell asleep in class, mm-hmm. um, but you would, I've had nightmares of, of things happening. When you discover you're naked in class, or you discover yeah, yeah. you forgot your books, or you discover something. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have nosebleeds as a kid. And okay. I would have, I would be subject to this. Everyone in the class all of a sudden turning around looking at you. Since kindergarten, I'd have this sort of like feeling. And it's not a good feeling, that mm. embarrassment. I threw up once in class. Oh, yeah? Was yeah. it like a spontaneous all of a sudden just bleh? And, and it was brutal. It was, the, it, it was the most I'd ever thrown up. Oh, wow. And to this day, I've only, to my recollection, thrown up two times in my life. And... Mm. And one time was because of drinking, and the other time, it was weird. It was like kid sickness. I don't know what the fuck it well, was. Well, you're fine. You're fine. All of a sudden, you kind of your head kind of rolls and you barf. Yeah, I was sitting down next to my friend Jermaine, and I was like, "Hey, Jermaine," and I sat down next to him. You <laughs> so much. I got to go home. I was in kindergarten at the point, though. That was that was a long time ago. I like that Nancy had the notion here to burn her arm to help wake her up. Was there? Any, there's no indication that that might work, though. But she, um, she just had it, right? Yeah, yeah. It might be this idea that things connect in her mind, where Tina was afraid of something that was coming to kill her, and she was afraid of something that was coming to kill her. He had the scissor hands or the the knife hands, and she saw Tina's body. She saw that room. It wasn't really. Didn't seem like something Rod would be capable of, even physically capable of, like, all around the ceiling and stuff exactly, like that. Like, yeah. would it, who, how did, how would they propose that he did that? Um, he's a strapping dude, but I mean, that's a practically a grown woman. How you, how are you going to lift her like that? It's not possible. And so in that moment, she probably realized while well, she was having that dream, oh, if he can affect things in real life, then maybe in this weird dream state that's part of his magic, I can also affect myself and it'll do something in real life. That if she's read a lot of Carlos Castaneda, that if you're dreaming lucidly and want to take control of what's happening, look at your hands and start there and try and control what's going on around Mm. you. Who knows if she's like, you know, her mom could be a little hippy dippy and she would know a little bit about lucid dreaming or just... You know, I can't pinch myself. Mm-hmm. I could like, I could pinch myself, but this will work way faster. This is a little more brutal than simply pinching myself. Because I don't know if pinching myself is really enough to shake me out of this. That mm-hmm. could have been part of that. 
And this is Rod explaining what happened in that room. He's in a jail cell right now. And he is talking about his dream where he finally describes the person that was stalking him in his dreams. That he couldn't really see his face, but he had knives for fingers. Mm-hmm. This is how we know. This is where she's finally realizing, okay, I've dreamed about this person. Tina dreamt, dreamt about him. Rod has dreamt about this person, too. What about Glenn? What about Glenn? Now, with this little um, rhyme, mm-hmm. was it a rhyme that she heard in Dreamland or a rhyme that people would have sung around the town? Not keeping the big secret very secret at all. Yeah, I'm not sure because are you meant to, to like, for example, are those little girls, are they actually present? Are they actually doing that? Or is that part of someone's dream? But no, it's 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 really, really strange. Fuck, talk about an iconic scene. Like, yeah. Had a lion camp, lying in a bathtub with the very shiny, wet, soapy glove. I just can't imagine how awful that sweater feels soaking wet, but... <laughs> I used to, that, that was definitely one of those cautionary bathtub uh, things that oh, really? I've heard all the time. You drown in the bathtub if you fall asleep in there. I have fallen asleep in a bathtub, and I was fine. And you lived to tell the tale. No, actually, I've been dead for five years. This is a very convincing weekend of Bernie situation you got going on here. Cool, cool. I can dig it. I can dig it. You're the ghost with the most. Yeah, right? And I don't think I've never fallen asleep in a bathtub. I felt pretty crummy in a bathtub before, but I've never like fallen asleep in a bathtub. But I have been in a bathtub and thought I heard or saw something, mm-hmm. and not enjoyed that one bit. Well, she's got a bath pillow. She'll be fine. The bath pillow is there so you can fall asleep in the bath. That's not what they're for. No. No, I have to say it's because the back of the tub is cold. Oh, really? Well, that's just my guess. I don't know. I'm too large to fit in bathtubs, oh, traditionally speaking. Yeah. So I haven't really been able to take You're a, a giant bath. tree person. You probably just walk through like a car wash, like greasy strangler. Yeah. <laughs> As an adolescent boy, this was always what I was uh, looking for. Bath and shower scenes. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people admit to me that were, who aren't even really horror fans that... They it started out because horror movies had nudity in them, and everyone was just very like curious about the body. Very much so because they're they're the promise of boobs and blood, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of horror fiction fans uh, have the same thing. They would be reading the horror for the sex, mm-hmm. boy and girl too. You know, it's really not about just uh, we can't just blame all the prepubescent boys. Well, I was a prepubescent boy, so I can blame myself all I want. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I'm watching a movie and falling asleep, which is very constant, I always think about this. In um, she's watching Evil Dead, which is awesome, and I'm so glad that it's not Night of the Living Dead. Um, Mm Hmm. I like. I love that. That so it begins. This is where the trend of teens having to stay up in these films. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. I never really had the falling asleep while watching a movie over and over because as soon as I feel dozy watching a movie, I go to bed. 
Mm-hmm. I don't watch movies in my bed. I don't, you know, keep myself up to watch a movie because I can just start it over again. So I don't really have that. I drink a fuck ton of coffee. I drink enough coffee to drown a small horse every mm-hmm. single day. So coffee has no effect on me. So seeing even... I wasn't that big into the coffee, but by the time I saw Dream Warriors 3, where she's eating tablespoons of, like, um, a Dream Warriors 3, Nightmare mm-hmm. on Elm Street 3, um, where she's eating tablespoons of, of dehydrated coffee, I'm like, fat chance that'll work. You know, especially if you be doing this for a couple nights, like, it's not going to have that effect. I guess normal people do have an effect from coffee, huh? Uh, yeah, I mean... It- I, I can't tell you. I, uh, there's two versions of West. There's coffee and no coffee. So, if not to sound like a fucking Facebook meme. You look 20 years old. Or 20 years older. It's fucking ridiculous. This is where um, the character of Glenn is super confusing to me. Because even though technically he is the male uh, romantic lead, if you want to call him that, he so often seems not present to me, just not present in the situation at all. Even in this situation where, um, even in this situation where she's trying to get information out of him is he's also having a dream. He's lying to her. He's just straight up lying to her. Maybe he's deciding that he wants to be the rock in the situation and not let her fears run rampant. Yeah. By being like, no, no, it is. It's, it's all just a dream. Everything's fine. It's not happening to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to reassure her in the only way he knows, which is to lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the way parents do to their kids. Maybe that's part of the disassociation you're getting from him, maybe. Mm-hmm. This is not the person that I would trust to uh, keep me awake, but, you know, whatever. The I've always been very envious of people who um in films where they had love interests or friends that lived very very close mm-hmm. i never had the way that ottawa is spread out so much and the, and the the way that um my i had to go to the spec ed program so my school was a lot farther than it probably should have been i never uh i never had people around me that i could like i couldn't go across the street there wasn't a cute girl next door. You know what I'm saying? None of that. And it's so prevalent in movies. And that's where I always think, I want to live in a small town. I want to live in a small town where things like this happen. I had like a, a, a small town, sort of idyllic, like semi-countryside, small town thing. Mm-hmm. Our houses weren't as grand as these mini mansions, of course. But uh, there was definitely like my cousin Jason, like two doors down, my friend Ben across mm-hmm. the road, and Freddie just... Like, I like that my childhood friends' names were Jason and Freddie, but whatever. Um, <laughs> was across the road, you know. I'm sorry. Do you, um, <laughs> I always think this scene is so funny because Nancy is, you're, are you still watching, right? And then Johnny Depp comes out of it. It's like, yeah, so? I'm like, hang on a second. If you're here. You're sleeping. Are you <laughs> lying bastard? <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm watching you. <laughs> There's no better place to watch her from than within the dream itself. I love all of the the uh, set design in the dream sequences. I love these cracked, chipped paint doors, broken windows, all the fog. It's like an old fucking universal horror picture in so many cases where you're just walking through these empty streets. And again, the idea of it being a dream... 
allows for anything. You don't have to ask yourself, oh, so these streets are just empty for what reason? Right. And, and it's like, well, it's a dream. You can, you can probably assume that the only people that exist within this space are Glenn, Nancy and Freddie. Right. And whoever Freddie deems to have conjured. Yeah. Oh, sleepy rod. You definitely have a window in on what's going on, but it's not unlike falling asleep and having things going on around you. They may infiltrate your dreams, mm-hmm. you know, and you'll, you'll be half dreaming of what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. I think the the addition of the fedora on Freddy Krueger was such a great, great to add to the character's profile. Not only does it make everything look kind of vintage, kind of older, um, like a gangster, but also there's so many shots you can do in which it obscures his face, right? You just yeah. see the sweater and the hat and you can't see his face from that overtop thing. Oh, this fucking Clint Eastwood. squicked me out. So. Oh, really? I, I just... The eels, not so much. The... I, I am not I am out. not a fan of centipedes. Like, I think that... I don't have a problem with insects uh, at all, but for some reason centipedes specifically really just grossed me out. I think it's all the legs. When they're the little, I don't care. It's when they're the fucking big, big mm-hmm. ones. I've seen a couple big ones out in the in the woods and house centipedes I'd never encountered until moving to Ottawa. I those never old, knew there was such thing. super quick guys. Yeah. yeah. Psh, they dart across the floor. And they can be three inches long. Crazy. They, those things live for years, too. They're horrible. When you see a big one, the, that thing is like 10 years old. Really? Yeah, they they live a long time. Well, good thing I like killing them so much. <laughs> they, they they in real life, I don't like them very much, mm-hmm. but um, and bugs don't bother me either, and it doesn't bother me on screen either. Like, mm-hmm. um, the the bug section of uh, Creep Show mm-hmm. sort of freaks me out a little tiny bit, but not not that bad, you know. This sequence of her running up the stairs is funny because, uh, I mean... You know, the sticky anyway, stairs? The sticky stairs where you just can't seem to, like, get up. Um, yeah, you fucking fight for your life, Nancy. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Nancy is, like, one of my favorite uh, final girls ever. But uh, she, um, that sequence, like, that Wes Craven didn't even really want to shoot is so funny to me because, for me personally... I've had so many dreams in which that is my problem, where I can't run, I can't like. I think walk. It's, it's the problem with that specifically. There's so many things that are very wide brushstrokes as far as nightmare imagery. Mm-hmm. Uh, a dark figure in an alley. Mm-hmm. Anyone can have a dream like that, mm-hmm. running away from someone. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do these wide brushstrokes and tap into a lot of people's nightmares. That one just comes across way too specifically because people have had different dreams of having. Their, their feet stuck, bogged down, lead foot, can't run. like, And there's such a broad brushstroke there to begin with that they have this very specific image, though, of feet being falling into the gluey stairs that it doesn't like ring true with enough people, I don't think. That's why it doesn't really work the way it should. But we get it, right? So it's a second time, I think, in this film where we're like, yeah, yeah, okay, we get it. You're doing it bad, but we get it. Like stretchy arms is the other one, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd have been even more freaked out if all of the stairs suddenly turned to flesh and I refused to it. That oh. Would, that would be a little more nightmarish, quote unquote. But it's like it's like that scene from Nightmare on Elm Street plus society yeah. all blended together. Yeah. 
But I think that that's the only way, the only reason that it doesn't really work. Or if it would have just been a little bit of tacky glue from her feet to the stair, I don't know what. Or if the the stairs suddenly conveyor belted, it would have spoke to a little more people. But I like that Glenn's wearing a Letterman jacket that has his name on it, just in case he forgets. I quite enjoyed this scene. Yeah, this is also very clever in terms of prisoner hanging himself in a cell. It is. It is. Um, on one hand, you've also got that same feeling of the school is like safest place in the world. He's mm-hmm. in the safest place in the world, right? And then enter in the, you know, worry that he's going to be pegged for this murder mm-hmm. and the fact that what what would somebody who's in his situation you know, maybe gravitate towards suicide mm, just to mm. get out of this charge or from tremendous guilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it all just works. It's very, very simplistic, but very, very effective writing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. On many levels. And I think that's the thing that's the, the best part of Nightmare on Elm Street is that we can sit back here a zillion years later and highlight what was brilliant and like, highlight what goods carried on in the franchise and what gets really expanded upon at this point it was so fresh and they hadn't sat around and thought about freddie as deeply as we have just here in the last like half hour yeah right no it comes from the place of okay this person can attack people in their dreams and we still want the parents to be absent but and we still want them to be keep telling nancy to go to sleep everything's fine uh tina was killed and that's horrible but uh, we caught the guy. We got him. He's in the jail cell right now. Yeah. Now, it's weird to say if him being hung for that long would actually kill him unless the the fabric had broken his neck um, from the from uh, the, from pulling on it or something like that. Because I think was... with the sideways neck is what they're trying to say. But, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think it had enough time to cut off his airway. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at this case, I mean, that's just splitting hairs. It's like, well, whatever. He, yeah, I, I, I buy it. I yeah. buy it. It's like he he got hung in a cell and he's dead. It's it's fine. It's it's not something that I have to like. Well, this doesn't make any sense. These funeral scenes, um, I always find uh, like. No, I'm not going to say that they're they're boring or something like that, but I will say that it seems ne- both necessary and unnecessary. Like when they're when they're present in film, I think to myself, obviously, like normally speaking, when people die, their funeral is in a couple days. But um, but when and then when they're uh, not in the film, I always think to myself, well, that's weird. It's like people are dying and no one seems to care. It's like no one's giving a second thought to anything. So I'm kind of of like two minds of it. It's a pretty brief scene, though. I always love the funeral scenes in movies, especially this movie, because you just get to see lots of graveyards, and I love it. You like graveyards, eh? Yeah. I wouldn't mind a movie that's just all funeral scenes. Just one big funeral scene? Yeah. You could just go to a funeral and (laughs) record it with your phone. A lot of nice funeral scenes in, in like, uh, mafia and, like, mobster gangster movies and stuff like that. There's always always some nice funeral scenes, but these ones in particular are, are quite nice. A nice big cemetery. 
This is where Tina is telling her parents definitively, this is the person that she's dreaming about. Her parents uh, divorced now, um, which is uh, Tina. Tina's also a child of divorce in this film. So uh, very interesting. I mean, I, I, that was definitely becoming more prevalent. I mean, listen, marriage has been falling apart for years, but... Uh, no, it was getting more popularized because it wasn't as stigmatized, but it's also um, a very big root of children having nightmares and having feelings of mistrust mm-hmm. against their parents and uh, all sorts of different psychological things can arise from that. And it's definitely a great way to be able to relate to your audience because there's a lot of children of divorce watching this or people who have recently had divorce or contemplated divorce. So it definitely is another way, aside from just nightmares being a really general thing that a lot of people can relate to, so is divorce. When Nancy's, uh, when Nancy's telling her parents, they do like that long, uh, focus on both of them. They both get headshots in that scene as they're hearing the person that Nancy's describing. Those uh, knowing glances. Knowing glances. And then, of course, it's uh, again, it's back to that you better keep her home for a couple of days and, and, and back off. And now we have Nancy in the, the sleep institute. Again, a place that we, it would be pretty safe, right? You're yeah. literally being monitored as you sleep. that poster on the wall there's a poster on the wall of a cat that he's driving a semi truck or something equally amazing is it wasn't it one of those hang in there baby uh... no it was even better it was a cat and hang off the side of a of a transport and i think he has a hawaiian shirt on i hope we get to see it again <laughs> here we are on cat watch minute four <laughs> there we are oh it's a trolley the cat oh, yeah. in a Hawaiian shirt hanging off the side of a trolley. <laughs> Exciting stuff. Who the hell decided to put that there? Um, this I I love these sorts of scenes where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, prove prove these things to us. Prove these things to us with science. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes the air of mystery in a horror film is pretty cool. But also, I like when they try to break it down and. You know, like the exorcist, you you give people like medical examinations to see if there's anything scientifically that can be proven. Basically, so you can say, oh, well, we don't know what's going on. Uh, the Our monitors can't read it or something like that. And the entity, so, you go to the hospital numerous times, you have a team of psychologists on your side. They build you a, a fake house in that, <laughs> in that one. This would probably be... Um, this is a. Uh, this is probably um, the most safe that Nancy would feel sleeping in a while because it's not just her goony boyfriend trying to keep her awake. Makes me want to watch the movie Dreamscape, which really explores this idea of in a little further of somebody having power in in other people's dreams. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to sleep at a sleep institute. Have you ever? No, I've never done that. My mother did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She said it was, it was a surprisingly restful sleep. She was very worried that she wouldn't be able to sleep. But it is that feeling of safety and that feeling of like, well, we're going to figure out what's going on. So, oh, she was scared to her hair turned white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely something um, that uh, I thought was pretty interesting. Just like this shock of silver hair that she now has. It's something right out of a Stephen King novel. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This... 
Okay, so this is one of the most buckwild things where people still won't believe her. You went to bed in a room that was being monitored without a dirty, busted fedora, and you woke up with a dirty, busted fedora. Does nobody care? Well, the look on her mother's face right there said, oh, shit, this is really happening. Like, her mother believes her. She won't admit it, of course. But I I, I think that it's really just her squelching the truth, right? Mm -hmm. And hiding the rum. And Johnny Depp comes out and says, where did all the rum go? (laughs) And then I'm mixing up Johnny Depp movies, but that's fine. That's fine. This is like one of those things where, like, you really need to... um... Like, what you really need to, like, I'm not I'm not a drunk. I'm hiding alcohol over the place. Also, I wouldn't just grab cups and drink from them in the kitchen because, for all you know, she's, she's, just, filled, rum went, she's yeah. just filled it with rum. I guess, like, yeah, it's like I threw that filthy thing away and she wants to, like, make sure that we're just pretending. It's all deny, 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 and that's how we fix this problem. It's always about his parents not listening to kids. And parents hiding things from kids quite obviously to us. Mm-hmm. Hey, she even lied about throwing the hat away. It's literally right in the drawer. It's the worst hiding place ever. It's like one year for Christmas when my dad decided to hide our new PlayStation that he was getting us for uh, underneath the sink in the bathroom. I, like, opened up the sink in the bath, like, the, the, the cupboard in the b- bottom of the sink, and there's a PlayStation in there. And he was like, you damn kids were going looking for it. I was like, I didn't know this was happening. It was in a cupboard at the bottom of the sink. Why was that? And if there was a hashtag lazy dad phenomena at that point, <laughs> he would have definitely used it when he was laughing about you later yeah. on in his study. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, exactly. I like that Freddy Krueger writes his name in his hat. Like <laughs> a kid. <laughs> He's like, listen, I only have one hat. You don't make a lot of money being a pedophilic groundskeeper. Better maybe all the other groundskeepers have hats like this and you don't want to get them mixed up when they go hang out. You know, when he goes and meets does up it, with Willie down does the street. The groundskeeper convention. Yeah. <laughs> You're imagining things. You'll feel better when you sleep. <gasps> That's where all the rum went. On the floor. Yo, that bottle of rum's probably like 40 bones. She doesn't, uh, you know. She doesn't know or care. All she knows is that her mom's a drunk and her mom's not listening to her. I don't think she's putting the two and two together like, my mom's a drunk and that's why she's not listening to her. But, yeah. It got her attention. It definitely got her mother's attention. Mm-hmm. This is another scene that I definitely forgot existed very sick palm tree in the background um it is frustrating watching a film where you know that what the characters who are alarmed about these things what they're saying is true and they have all these other like whether it's cops or whether it's her father who also is a cop or her parents and but i think instead of it just being like there ain't no such things as these things. Jason Voorhees is dead. Uh, what it is, is people 
terrified that this secret of theirs will get out. And so I think it's almost, yes, they want their kids to just pretend everything's normal because that's what you do in a suburban home. Like, I may, we may be divorced and I'm an alcoholic and we may have killed a man by burning him alive with a little vigilante justice, but everything's fine. Everything is normal. And all that aside, there's no monster under your bed. Yeah. Into Survival. I love that. She's got that book of booby traps and stuff. It's so good. Because it, 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 it explains away the what is uh, my favorite scene in this movie, where she's just MacGyvering all that stuff together. Where it becomes Home Alone. <laughs> oh, my God. This is a normal solution. I think it makes the house look pretty cool. I would not mind bars on all my windows. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, though. We had some bars like that at the old farmhouse for some of the lower windows, I guess. And I wanted my dad to put them back on. Mm-hmm. But he never did. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good look. Yeah? She's like, hmm. You foolish girl. Breaking my rum only made me more powerful. <laughs> <laughs> That's the stance. That's, Pretty much, yeah. That's the stance. She just comes in there in her, like, sauce out of her mind, in her fucking stupid bathrobe, her big poofy hair, like, her rum under her arm like it's a book. And she's just so happy with herself. And then she'll put her fears to rest by going to this creepy-ass fucking boiler. We had a very large uh, boiler in my grandmother's basement, which was very, very Freddy Krueger-esque. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me that he, that they specifically call him a child murderer, and they, and without, without ever saying, also he was a pederast or also a molester. It's just child murderer. Yeah. Um, It could be either that they didn't want to draw that parallel or maybe they weren't necessarily thinking about that because he's not doing anything overtly sexual here and there. Mm -hmm. And if he's doing anything overtly sexual, it's more of the in the lines of a pickup line of a pervert Mm -hmm. than something like really actually intimately sexual or Mm -hmm. rapist necessarily he's never really doing those sorts of things um as a kid in the in the schoolyard you do have a certain fear of the maintenance guy Hmm. because they're usually pretty gruff and they usually don't want to deal with children and i can envision them far more often just straight up killing a kid (laughs) than doing anything you know with them on their lap you know to try and be polite about it just grabbing a kid and chucking him in a garbage can and throwing it in the compactor. That I can picture. It's weird that you would keep that all these years. I a think trophy. I don't. Yeah, it is a trophy, so I don't think it's that weird. And they are kind of cool, you know. Did you ever um, see? Since I had seen other um, Nightmare on Elm Street movies first. I never really knew what Freddy's glove was supposed to be. 
like, I always thought, I was like, what is it? What is it? Like, what, like, where would he get this type of thing? And then it wasn't until I saw the first one, I was like, oh, he made it. That makes sense. My dad was a bit of a maker, so it didn't, I, I never really questioned it. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you say about the Johnny Depp's, like, sleepy belly shirt that, like, guys don't really wear belly shirts that often anymore? I don't know. I walk around the village quite often, and I see guys in belly shirts all the time. Hmm, I don't. At the Centertown Pub. I don't even know where that is. Centertown, probably. CP? It's one of the... It's like a landmark gay bar downtown, and um, I definitely see guys and a couple guys I know in in belly shirts. Hmm. For sure. When I was uh, frequenting a gym, I don't remember if I ever saw guys in belly shirts in the gym. Which is where you'd think that that would live, but no. Not as often, though. And not in high schools, I don't think. I think there would probably be an outcry right now of like, well, if I can't as a woman show my belly at all because of dress code and because I'm like enticing young men, young men can't show their belly either. So they're probably outlawed. So they're probably off the hook. Men are probably like, whew, I'm off the hook. Off the hook for wearing a belly shirt, I guess. A little bit more sophisticated than the tin can string phone. An actual phone. That works. It's a really nice device that they can actually see each other without having this conversation, too. Yeah. This is where, like, they're trying to concoct a plan about how they're going to keep Nancy from falling asleep. they got to do something. Did you ever have a little TV like this? I find that this very um, weird that he puts it on his lap while he's watching it. I was given a TV almost identical to that, really, when I was uh, uh, quite a lot younger than Glenn is here. Um, and I took it apart probably within a couple weeks. Yeah, there was a little like black and white TV kicking around that me and my sister could have. Mm-hmm. It's more like this TV that she has with the fake wood sides, and it's like a giant tube. Big thing of coffee on top of it. Yeah, we had a second one of those kicking around for us to watch cartoons after school, so my mom could continue watching her soap operas mm-hmm. on the a larger TV. You're like, wait, who is whose mother is this? And then she opens the door. Oh, I see. It's Glenn listening to music. I didn't even know he had a mom. <laughs> he just lives in this house by himself. Miss Nude America. What a wonderful line, eh? How are you going to hear what she's going to say? It doesn't matter what she says. Yeah. It's Miss Nude America. Goodness knows. This is where she just gets a, a little scene where she's like, see... Glenn has a mother. He was also concerned with stuff. I'd be more concerned that he's in bed with his fucking shoes on. It's all over. I think that um, there's nothing more aggravating to me than a drunk woman trying to tell you everything's okay. You're telling me. But at least she's cleaning up the room. I guess, but to me, it kind of seems a a case of, okay, you're doing these things while you're sauced out of your mind because drunkenly 
you're now I'm being mom. I'm being the mom right now and I'm protecting my child. Whereas it's just so sloppy and gross and <laughs> I fucking love this. Hidden coffee maker. Yeah. Surprised she didn't have pants on. Yeah, I know. She's like, <laughs> pull the blankets back and she's in like fucking fully dressed and shit like that. I love the idea of just like sitting there brewing so much coffee. I don't mind that idea. And you know what? Like the coffee maker in the bedroom, it doesn't sound like a bad idea to me. It would be, I should have done with my Keurig. Oh yeah. I just yeah. left it in the, left it in the bedroom. There's no way that her mother wouldn't be like, your whole room smells like coffee. <laughs> Especially if it was like nice grounds from Bridgehead or something. Mm-hmm. This fucking dad just giving, <laughs> giving her the dead eye. This would be Glenn's dad, which yeah. I didn't believe existed until now. Yeah. This fucking guy. Oh, yeah, you're the normal one, pal. You're just, like, standing there on the porch for no reason just drinking a beer. Reminds me of Hank Hill from King of the Hell. He, is kinda, he does have a Hank Hill vibe to him, right? Yeah. That boy ain't right. That girl's a lunatic. Yeah. Their friends are dying. Let me remind you. I don't want that kid hanging out with our son anymore. Oh man, that thing's gushier than I remember it being. Well, it looks like it, like the burn got worse and worse. It's it's a supernatural burn, man. It's a supernatural burn, okay. Yeah, she got it in the dreamscape. Yeah, because it looked like a curling iron mark when she first got it, and now it's like maybe she keeps fucking with it to keep herself awake. <laughs> it makes you wonder how many. Bottles of rum she possibly has in her house. I've never encountered that. Like, I've been around drunks in my lifetime and drunks in my family, but we never uh, had someone in the family or as friends of mine that hid their booze. I've never, like, gone into the hamper and found booze or, like, looked in the back of the toilet and there was booze. Like, the, the weird places, like, um, Black Christmas mm-hmm. is, is good for booze-hiding yeah. swats. Black Christmas is just that. It's so funny. It's like, what is this regarding? <laughs> but that mother, Nancy's mom just has like bottles upon bottles upon bottles of fucking white rum everywhere. It it's seems. I think it's white rum anyway. It looks like a... Yeah, it's white rum or vodka or something. It's got to be firm with these kids. As a matter of fact. In those days, did the phone not make a god-awful noise if you left it off the hook? Um, some phones, yeah. Some phones, it depends on the carrier. Some of them didn't. Some of them would have um, a, a high-pitched like dial tone, and then it would start doing an intermittent dial tone. Um, that didn't start with our phone until late 80s. I think before that, it would just be dead air. My phone growing... Well, we had we had several lines in the house, but there was a phone that was in the, the trusty basement in Alta Vista, mm-hmm. and it was an old... Uh, old white uh dial phone and uh it made a god awful noise if it was off the hook if you did not yeah, like, have, would it be a dial tone and then it would start doing an intermittent it, very it would, loud it, dial tone? it would go like well i don't do like bad audio for people to be like bah, 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 bah. Yeah. it was horrible yeah. yeah horrible that's what ours did later on in the day but earlier it would be a dial tone to a certain point mm-hmm. and then it would be dead air or if you wanted just dead air and to have it really off the hook right away you could pick up the rotary phone and dial like a one 
and then just leave it off the hook forever mm. and ever and ever and ever. I like that she's got a sting poster. You know. Well, I suppose it would be Durandur, or not Durandurin, what am I thinking? The police. <laughs> it's the whole band, not just Sting. Oh, lickety lickety. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. <laughs> smash that phone. I would I would smash that phone. She's acting like she picked it up and there's a cockroach on the other end. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh wait, my he said my boyfriend. I have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> This is just where I... You can unlock a door. Like, it does have a a reversed-looking deadbolt, but I mean... (sighs) There's got to be another door in the house, right? Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good security measure, though. I like that, that she's got a deadbolt installed and a a reversed deadbolt installed. Mm -hmm. And her mom's just the drunkest person in the universe right now. We now conclude our broadcast day. Now, if this if the TV was turning off, then like when was Miss New America supposed to be on? He must have had to change the channel because that's station KRGR. Oh, Kruger TV. I like that. It's like, oh yeah, you got the TV, got the fucking turntable, got all of it. Yeah, uh, not anymore. The bloodiest scene. No, in a film, but pretty goddamn bloody. Pretty, pretty goddamn bloody indeed. They used the rotating room for this too, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. What would you even think? It, it's like, it's it's not so much even a matter of my my son is dead. What happened? It's a geyser of blood, defying the laws of gravity and everything. Flying through the goddamn bed. What what could you possibly think is happening? Um, Water main must have bust. Um, We have some plumbing issues. Very big plumbing issues. Light from Venus, like, illuminating swamp gas. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Will of the Wisp. It's a Will of the Wisp. Will of the Wisp. Like, hi, here's an awkward wave. We're just going to your boyfriend's house. No big deal. I wish that that was a puke take. You walk into your house and your son has been killed and there's blood streaming through. So much blood that it's coming through the ceiling in your dining room. And Mm -hmm. there's a cop putting a bucket to catch what's left of your son. I think I think that deserves a, a good, at least a vomit in the hand, mm-hmm. if not like a full on wretch. Yeah, I think um, this is this is where she's like so tired and so fucked up. Like I buy uh, her very much in this scene as like. We, I have to, like, protect myself because I can't protect anybody else anymore. You're all out of people. Well, 
When did we start calling him Freddy? Like, they they referring to him as Fred Krueger. I don't know if anyone's called him Freddy yet. Um, yeah, it's weird. They definitely say it in um, Dream Warriors. So maybe by the second one they're calling him. Did you say come to Freddy? Yeah, yeah. In, in one of those? Because I think it's like one of these things where he would refer to himself as Freddy Krueger. Because Fred Krueger is, is like, well, I mean, if you want to be more, it's Frederick Krueger. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Fred. Such an unscary name. Fred, exactly. Yeah. But you put Krueger on the end of that, and now it's fucking different. Yeah, he's a criminal. But Fred. Freddie K. Hmm. Oh, yeah. So she's making all her crazy shit, exploding light bulbs. I don't know what she's doing with that. Electrifying it, I guess. Fucking tripwire. It's all so good. It's That's all absolutely so, ridiculous to me. It's all so fucking good, Lydia. A little ding. <laughs> cartoon. It's a fucking cartoon. You know where what? Where did she get? Oh, I don't know. It's just her and her mom there. I don't know where she found all those shotgun shells. Father was a cop. Maybe he left shotgun shells back in there. Guess so. Some people leave ties. He left shotgun shells. Good thing her mom's so drunk that she doesn't realize any of this is going on. Because this is probably about three hours worth of work. Oh, yeah, for sure. Twenty pound sledge alone. That looks like a good like half hour. Just trying to like set that apparatus up. Yeah, I love it. So good. I don't, but that's me. Yeah, that's you, and only you. <laughs> the crutch on the door. Could be one of those traumatic football injuries. I remember seeing a footballer at. Uh, high school, I didn't really like. wasn't really. I was walking around the game because I wasn't didn't want to go to the game, and I wasn't in cheerleading at that point. And when a, I heard a guy had broken his leg, I went running because I wanted to see. And it was like broke his uh, femur like right in half, and it was sticking out and everything on both sides. It was horrible. Uh, I'll bet you he saved his crutch from that or crutches. So I'm just envisioning. The Glenn must have had a very grievous injury to have decorated the crutch on his door. Kind of ridiculous. Yeah. When I broke my foot, I threw my crutches away after I was tired of looking at them. We saved the wooden crutches for a while um, when I broke my foot when I was younger. And I think there's crutches in the basement from when a roommate had had a, a, a foot injury. Just in case... Anyone ever needs them, I suppose. These ones are metal, and they're really nice. Not like those weird old wooden ones. Yeah. This is her mom's, like, only, like, putting her mom to bed like she's a child. Um, it's like Nancy always faces things, but sometimes you got to turn away. And a lot of children do feel like that when their parents are, you know, incapable for one reason or another, whether it be uh, substance abuse or them being overwrought mentally, physically. A lot of children do find themselves in that position where using what tools they have at hand, their Mickey Mouse alarm clocks, their shotgun shell-filled light bulbs, 
um, they have to do what they can to preserve their home, their lifestyle, their dignity, and keep things as sane as possible, even though they're ill-equipped, especially for very young children. It's a horrible burden. Um, speaking of horrible burdens, Lydia, mm-hmm. when I used to sleep over at my grandmother's house, they had that if I die before I wake thing knitted on this thing on the wall with like a weird child kneeling next to the bed. I found it terrifying as a kid. <laughs> Were you worried that you were going to die before you woke? No, but I also, when I was uh, old enough to read, um, I just, I always felt it like a very ghoulish thing to be just hanging, hanging in uh, the the bedroom. It was called the pink room. Everything was pink. It was uh, quite atrocious, but it had this thing hanging in it right over the bed. So you would like lie down in bed and like you just look over and it was just like, if I were to die before I wake, I'm like, oh God, now I have to think about like dying (laughs) Sleep. So you never had to say this prayer every night as a child, I take it. Oh, uh, we had to pray at our beds, but not, um, I don't think, I don't have a recollection of ever having to say that particular uh, prayer. Oh, okay. That was the only prayer that I ever would say. Mm-hmm. And then you end it with your God blesses. It was like, God bless mommy and daddy yeah. and... Glovey, they, she's got a fucking uh, carpet of like the dogs playing pool. <laughs> that is a pretty basementy thing. Yeah, maybe that's where all the husband's th- stuff ended up, like the shotgun shells shotgun and the dogs shells, playing yeah. pool. Yeah, a tapestry of dogs playing pool. Yeah, it's like endless basement. The sub sub basement descending even further into hell. As you do. Hmm. I hope I have a sub-sub basement. You know, the best thing about a sub-sub basement, you could just dig one. Ah, nah, it's concrete down there. You just try real hard, Lydia. Just try real hard. If I believe in myself and try hard enough, I can dig through that concrete and create myself a dreamscape to hell sub-sub basement. Okay. Mm-hmm. you got a spiral staircase and everything. I would dig a spiral staircase. I've always liked those. To me, it kind of depends how big they are. Like, if they're quite wide, I'm a big person, so when I'm on a narrow, spirally staircase, I feel very precarious. I would like a spiral staircase that is big enough. And I don't know if I've ever seen one of these, but I've always wanted one. Uh, A spiral staircase that has a fireman's pole in the center, just to save time. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And coming from somebody who has vertigo, it's pretty brave. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I always forget about your collection of ailments. They're subtle. They're subtle, <laughs> and I cope. That's why. It's like just rubber burn. It's kind of why I want to watch. Uh, I want to do Shallow Grave someday for the show. But it's not really horror, so I'm, I'm of two minds. But there's a lot of vertigo-inducing shots in Shallow Grave. Don't you try to call him out? Call out that Fred Krueger. All you have to do really is yawn and stretch and be like, oh, I'm so sleepy. Oh, I'm so vulnerable right now. I sure hope no one kills me in my dreams, Freddy Krueger. <laughs> I sure am scared of green and red sweaters. Anything? Nothing? I think that um, 
it's interesting to a choice to draw out the scene now about where Freddie could be when he's so present. I, I always get confused. I always think, oh yeah, Freddie is in this movie so less often than, than the other ones because he really is like the star of the show by then. But um, no, like he's in right off the bat, right? In this film and he's in the movie a lot. So it's not like you're, it's not like one of those things where full on Freddy Krueger is only present at the very end of the film. Yeah, and and as much as we do get shadow playing glimpses and some really cool like um just like far away shots and really cool mm-hmm. close-ups of just that mottled skin, uh, that's not all we see of them for sure, for mm-hmm. sure. We get a lot of activity. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to time it cuz I don't have, you know, that kind of time on my hands. But I'm sure he kicks the ass of any other of our slasher heroes. Look, fucking Glenn puts his name <laughs> name on his headphones everyone's just got like a label maker <laughs> in this thing maybe it's their parents maybe it was fred krueger's mom that put his name in his hat for him oh here day. y'all little glenny don't want if you take your headphones to school you don't want to lose them i wonder if he's encountered gutsy people before that are like do this do that come on dance monkey dance I'm going to try and defeat you. And how many times they failed. Or would this be the first batch of kids that he's terrorized? I'm getting the impression that it's the first batch of kids. I'm also getting the impression though, that he's infiltrated other people's dreams. He's This is not his first rodeo. Mm-hmm. I don't get that feeling of him testing out his powers even from the beginning. That shot of Freddy when he uh, tears the rose bush uh, in in half Mm -hmm. and he's sitting there looking like super aggressive and his arms are outstretched like that. That is such a... I love that pose and shot of him so much. Like It's just like a such like a feral comic book panel to me like where he's just like so ready to like pounce and he looks very like powerful because he i mean it's just a shrub but he's still shredded in half and stuff like that um just looks cool just looks really really cool i love that shot so much (laughs) i love that she's like i guess i'm just crazy after all (laughs) coffee maker (laughs) (laughs) it's so fucking good now we get home alone part two oh my god and much like home alone all the traps are at the end people always forget that there's like a whole movie before that trap part and everyone's like, yeah, you know, Home Alone, all the traps. The idea of um, pulling out Freddy into the real world seems to be a new one, too, right? So, like, she might, she very might well be the because he doesn't seem um, worried about that and at all right like it doesn't so maybe if she's not the first person that put up a fight she definitely is the first person that has brought him to the quote-unquote oh west can't hold it together just tell me how much you love him getting sledgehammered in the chest it's 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 not so much that he gets sledgehammered in the chest but it is such a fucking high energy performance where where he definitely looks um, hurt, right? Like, and one of the things is, like, in the dreamscape, as we all know, Freddy's not bound by the laws 
of of physics or anything like that. He can damage himself. He can lose. Oh my his god! Face. He, he can, can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever he, can he wants. Turn into a giant snake. He can. Yeah, his and, tongues can be unleashed from a semi-naked girl to yeah. bind you to a bed. Like yeah. Um. But yeah, in the real world, it's like you're right. Like he doesn't seem to know how to behave here and is terrified mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the way that it's reacting with him. People can <laughs> surprise him. He can't just jump out of a half of a tree. Mm-hmm. He can't, you know. Like, like, come on, burning a guy that burned to death is a little insensitive, Nancy. Come on. <laughs> I think it's perfect. It's perfect. It really, really is. This, Nothing hurts more than reburning burnt flesh. It's funny because uh, I would get this sequence mistaken with uh, a scene from Friday the 13th, I know, but... Um, the, the, just him burning that burn up the stairs, getting knocked down the stairs and then burning while going back up the stairs. I always in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, that was like a Jason Voorhees thing in like one of the later ones, like six or something. And then you're like, no, 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 idiot. That's Nightmare on Elm Street, which also has like amazing stunt work in it. I really, um, wish that they would have just taken a few more minutes though with the, prosthetics and the effect on that stunt because mm. it's you it just doesn't look like freddy but well no no yeah i know but i just like i just wish i just wish they'd had a little more care for that big scene it's a spectacular scene like i like it a lot but i just wish his neck's too thick that's really it i could have forgave everything else Oh, I love this. The flaming footsteps. It's so fucking great. And he's like, oh yeah, my mom's asleep in the house. This sequence was always um, kind of baffling to me. Because it's one of those cases where um, it's like, it's very supernatural, right? This idea of like this blue foggy light and your mother's completely burned body sinking down into the bed, which will now become solid. And now it's gone. It almost would make you think that like, what was, was Freddie angriest at her because she took the glove was Freddie saying, I'm taking your mom since you're such a bitch all the time. Like, cause you won't, I, I, I can't kill you. Um, right. You know what I mean? Um, with like just guessing and playing here with like Freddy's in the real world, which what we what seems to be the first time since he was alive, mm-hmm. and he's probably lost a lot of his go go juice, mm-hmm. as it were, and probably needs a lot more of it. So he had to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. It's like pulling out a knife that needs to draw blood before you sheath it again, mm-hmm. right? So he needed somebody, and I guess that's the manner of him taking somebody's very essence. Not into him, but with him. Mm. Maybe? I don't know. I like that explanation. Yeah. Like, what happened to Glenn's body? Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah. They had shot another sequence that showed Glenn's body coming up or something like that, but they didn't use it, I guess, for whatever reason. Could have been too gory if they were pushing the envelope with the uh, blood scenes, body reveals. That's true. This I love. This is so fucking good. You know, you're right, because he does kind of come, he comes out and he does seem empowered, doesn't he? Like, he seems like... And she wouldn't have fallen asleep. Mm Mm-hmm. Not standing up in four seconds, despite how exhausted she should be now. 
And doesn't Fred look great there too? Mm-hmm. You're like like empowered, sort of like a sub rebirthing, like a like a final girl would go through a rebirthing mm-hmm, phase, mm-hmm. faced with what Freddie just had to face. Yeah, especially like emerging, like from that bed sheet, right? Like almost being born from the bed and shit. I love that line so much. Take back every bit of energy I gave you. He does look um, like like so much darker in that scene too, right? He does. He looks like freshly burnt and very yeah, bloody burnt, and yeah. very raw. He looks very, very raw. And he's angry. There's no none of that maniacal glee mm-hmm. that we've gotten mm-hmm. the pepperings of throughout this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back in Stepford, everything's fine again. Mm-hmm. There's this weird... Um, quality originally the script as most people know it was that was it right like they're fine they're going away but seems like ever since carrie people want like one more thing like there there is a bit of mr smoke so like even us as the person who's sitting here in the audience buying it Mm -hmm. is like okay is it just misty because it's a misty morning in fucking suburbia Mm -hmm. or is it that we're still dreaming yeah it's really hard to say Everyone's okay. And hey, everybody, we're gonna make it after all. It's a. Uh, this ending is not my favorite. I, I think that, like, for. Uh, it, it's, it seems tacked on. And when you hear about, like, the behind the scenes stuff going on, I get it. I, I, like, and, but people don't seem to. Like, I've never really heard anyone complain about it. You know what I'm saying? Even though it's like weird to me because it's like the movie has two endings. You had an ending, uh, which was, yeah. And you had Nancy say this great line and, and how to defeat Freddy. And then all of a sudden it's like, that's not the case. I don't know. Like it's, it's really confused. And then you think, okay, well then they're dead. Well, spoilers and Nancy's and other ones. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it's like, what was this sequence? Nancy dreaming. Yeah. Maybe Nancy she didn't dreaming. fall asleep standing up right there. Maybe. And maybe she had tapped Freddy to the point that he was too tired to actually kill her. And this is just a dream that happened. And this was the final dream. We never got to see the end of it, but she mm-hmm. obviously makes it mm-hmm. out to be a psychologist mm-hmm. later on. But, like, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's pretty weird, but. Um, it's enough to feed sequels, thank God. But it is, yeah, it does feel tacked on, sure. And, and I, think, I would have rathered actually, sorry to interrupt you, but I would have rathered that the cover of the convertible just come up mm-hmm. with its stripy freddiness and then drive away. None, I didn't even like as much as I like the little girl skipping and mm-hmm. doing the rhyme. I, I would have done with, with the mom being sucked back in to the and house. then just credits. Yeah. yeah. I would just have the car drive away mm-hmm. and Nancy freaking out and totally ambiguous. Robert England had said something somewhat uh, illuminating where he said that he'd always envisioned it now as the movie stands as like a precognitive dream. So like Nancy had this dream, which was the movie we just watched. And then it ends that way. Like Nightmare City? Yeah. And then, and then, and then what happens is uh, she will go through the entire movie in real life using and and but she'll live at the end but like so like basically 
up until the point in which she takes away Freddy's power and he vanishes, but after the point in which her mom dies and gets sucked into the bed, that all eventually does happen. But this was like a precognitive dream. I was like, okay, I, I guess. But then, of course, like me being me, I'm just like, no, 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 no. This is a case of the script being written and it's done and, and Wes Craven being like, this is the movie. And then the hands that be... And Shay be like, well, well like, no, I want to make another one of these. Yeah, we want to make another one of these. A Nightmare on Elm Street. I love that font. It's so I don't great. like the, the bobbly kind of where it says Elm Street and the, the font they use for the credits, but the Nightmare... Or a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that font so very, very much. And as we were chit-chatting, man, we're done. We're all the way back to the beginning of the DVD. And so you just sat with us while we talked endlessly over Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, a movie that has secured its place in horror fandom. They... It's funny, they didn't make as many sequels of this one as they've made of the other ones, probably due to the fact that they're kind of more expensive to make because of all the special effects. Also, you need to lock down, well, for a while, you needed to lock down Robert England to make sure that he could do it because, like, Lord knows they wouldn't have Freddy played by anybody else. They wouldn't dream of it until they would start living the dream later. <laughs> and it needs to fit. It's yeah. not just somebody saying, like, oh, this is a cash cow. We can do whatever we want with this Freddy and Freddy universe. Um we can just do whatever we want with it. Everyone pretty much agrees and is on the same page that what does work and what doesn't work for mm-hmm. Freddy. Cause they pretty much tried it all. Mm. And this film was a massive success beyond the fact that it's not a cult movie. It is a cultural phenomenon. It is culture, not pop culture. And, but it's still an independent film at this point, still kind of on the fringes, even though it did very well. They would do it again with Freddy's Revenge, a film critically panned, but hugely successful. These these movies just kept making money for a while. I mean, eventually they they it, it tapered off as things tend to do, but not before one of the sequels, which was voted on by you guys and we've decided to do for the next film, which is Dream Warriors, which is the third installment arguably the most popular installment at least as far as a fan concerns i personally i am i'm a number oneer i usually prefer the first in all iterations with very rare exceptions but um because i'm like you gotta i pay homage to the movies that set the table but um yeah so up next for our halloween special my favorite We'll be doing the Dream Warriors. I like one and three very much the same way I think of uh, Halloween one and two together. Mm. You know, as mm. as one continuous story. And I really enjoy that. So I'm very excited and looking forward to that. So this is our pre-Halloween. By then it'll be our Happy Halloween episode. But mm-hmm. this is the first part of our Happy Halloween. Yeah, but this is like, this is when I'm getting warmed up for Halloween, right? I definitely want to watch Nightmare on Elm Street. And I definitely want to get into all these films that they just play endlessly during the Halloween season. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you could you could listen to this while you're watching AMC, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And just pauses for commercial breaks. Speaking of commercial break, we're going to take one right now. And then we'll be back with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Mm-hmm. Which you guys will see in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to the Dead Air Nightmare on Elm Street Halloween special. Part one. Part one. Wanana.